0: Lord, we can sense your life in this space. We thank you so much that uh, we are your children. We thank you so much that you surround us with songs of deliverance. In this room, there are so many testimonies of your goodness and your beauty, and each voice coming with just a different, a different, a different proclamation of how good you are, God that we would be surrounded by that and that we'd be filled by that, Lord. We pray that, that, that um, we would just actually be drowned in your perfect love. And Lord, just as the beautiful sunlight came in, filled this world with light today, um, we pray that your light would fill us to the point where we radiate, not just now, but for all of eternity. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name. And all God's people shouted, amen. Amen. All right, please have a seat. Oh, how you doing, Highlands? You all right? That was a pretty awesome party last night, if I must say so myself. There was, um, there were, it was sold out, which is cool. It's neat when people accept the invitation that's extended to them, and it's always cool when you can deliver on the party, the promise of the party, the century, and that was amazing. To give you an idea of how good a party it was, I lost my keys last night at the end of it. That's just what happens. I'm just telling you, I was looking all over for them. I said, it must have been a good party. Um, but for those of you that like Resolution, I'd just like to let you know, I, Katie found them. She said they were like downstairs near the copy machine. It was just so random. So I said, it must have been a good party. So um, it was so wonderful because what you had is this confluence, convergence of all the stories in this room of the, the joy and the hope and the goodness that people had experienced all in one place. And it felt like it felt like a revival, honestly. Um, and, but um, people have been saying that they feel like they're walking on a cloud. And, and I think it's partly due to, well, the twisted and glazed donuts that we ended the evening with. Um, that was good. And then there's some, were there some more this morning as you came in? Did you know that? If you didn't know that, then you should come earlier to worship. That's all I'm saying. So... Um. But this series, okay, so uh, this, this morning, I got up, I lost, I didn't have my keys this morning, so I, I had to go and get ready for worship at Starbucks. Oh, rough life, right? So I went to, I went to Starbucks, and um, I, I, I was about to get into Starbucks about 6 a.m., and as I'm walking into Starbucks, I hear this person drive up behind me, and they say, hey, Jamie! And I think, what in the world? No one calls me Jamie. I thought that thing had gone a long time ago. So anyway. James, Jamie, it does not matter. Okay, so anyway, I turned around, and it was my brother, Graham, pulling into the... And he said that he told me that... it's probably not a great idea to have one hotel room for him, his wife, and his three kids all under like eight years old. So he has a one-year-old baby. So he said he didn't sleep at all last night and that he's got a photo shoot today. And I said, it had better be a pretty good photographer. (laughs) And he said it is. He says it's award-winning. He said it's the same photographer that did uh, like Mark Zuckerberg's wedding. So I said, good luck. I'm telling you this, I don't care how good this photographer is. They're gonna have a hard time. Um, So, uh, but they're a beautiful family, so they don't have to worry about it. Um, but you know what's great is just to sit down with Graham this morning, my brother, and to sit down at that Starbucks table and just to spend that time talking and I, I was honestly wrestling with the messages like, Graham, help me out. And you know what he said? He said, you know, you should just like yesterday, there were all these people saying that you have this like thing, you just invite people and that's just what you do. And I said, I know, but um, you know, it's just, it's not enough just my stories of inviting people. And that's when it clicked. Our whole plan was to give you, as you leave worship today, and we are going to give you a card that says, what's your story? And we want to collect your story of inviting someone else to church or your story of how this invitation series called You're Invited has changed the way you're thinking or, or maybe challenged you in some way. And so if you would please, just as a, as a gift... Uh, write that story down and write your name and uh, we'll contact you if if we use your name publicly. But we just would love to be able to contact you and and follow up on that story if it's a really remarkable one. Because in two weeks, we're having Celebration Sunday, which is when we are inviting all the people of this church uh, who have been coming to the church and have not yet been baptized or have become members to do so on that day. So it's gonna be an amazing day. That's two weeks. So I see some of you kind of going, oh, that day? Yeah, it's time to call your grandparents, call your cousins, aunts and uncles and tell them to get on down here because we're going to have a good old Pastor Robles baptism. Does it sound good? <laughs> so, all right. All right. So we're doing the You're Invited series. This is a good series. The idea is, looking at Jesus' life, we discover that Jesus is this guy who invites Everybody. He invites people in to a relationship with him. And so if we want to be like Jesus, which is what God calls us to do, that's why Jesus came, so that we could, we could be made in his likeness. And, and so we see Jesus and we say, okay, be like Jesus. Um, and, and so when we do that, we know that we need to become more inviting. And so we've done this You're Invited series. And um, I have to say, I, at first, I thought it would be a really simple series, but it's a complicated series. And I would like to tell you that there's a lot of clarity in this message, but it's actually pretty confusing. And that's the truth. Sometimes you think things are going to be really simple when you step out in faith and you start to follow Jesus, but you realize that there's some pretty strong stuff here. So let's just look really quickly. We're going to look at this scripture. It's John chapter 4, verse 43 through wherever I want to end. That's just how this works. So um, you'll see. Anyway, um, <laughs> signposting not not very good at it apparently um <clears throat> so so this is how the scripture happens. It starts after Jesus has uh, met the woman at the well, and he had a big old party for two days, just like the one we had last night and this morning. And they had party for two days with all of the people of Samaria who had all just become Jesus followers. It's amazing. And so then he travels. It says, when the two days were over, Jesus went from that place to Galilee. For Je- and then I love this because Jesus himself, before or because Jesus himself had testified that a prophet had no honor in the prophet's own country. Now that's a really weird because. Jesus is like, I'm going to go back to the place where nobody is going to honor me or respect me. I'm going to go back to that place. And it's very interesting, the dynamic he's had at home, uh, the dynamic he's, the, his family dynamic, his, his, his dynamic in his town. And now he's going to go back to this place where he was doing ministry before. And it says, when Jesus came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. How beautiful is that? They didn't welcome him before, but now they're welcoming him. That's awesome. Don't give up. If you start to minister to someone, don't just try one time. Keep trying. And it says, they welcomed him since they had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the festival. For they too had gone to the festival. I don't know if you remember this message a couple of weeks ago. We talked about how Jesus went to the church, went to the, went to the temple, and it was filled with cows and sheep. And I don't know how you'd feel if this whole room was filled with cows and sheep. But what Jesus did is he took out a whip and he started to say, Yeah! And he started to drive them all out of town. And he tipped over the tables. He said, ain't happening in this house. This is daddy's house. That's what he said. He said, this is daddy's house. And he didn't say that, but, so, but pretty much. Or Abba's house, if you want to be more Hebrew about it. Anyway, um, Yahweh. So he, 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 they saw what he'd done, and they thought, he's the coolest thing since sliced bread. Jesus is coming back to town. You know, like, I wonder what he's going to do. Um, and so they're hanging out before he had gone to the festival. And then it says, then Jesus came again to Cana in Galilee, a specific city in Galilee, and it is where he had changed the water into wine. Remember we talked about how Jesus had changed like six, the, the equivalent of six barrelfuls of water into six barrelfuls of wine? And I'm having a feeling that they probably couldn't find their keys after that party either. That's just my guess. I'm just saying. It's just speaking truth. So, um, so it says, Now there was a royal official whose son lay ill in Capernaum. Now this royal official, he lives he lives 20 miles away, Capernaum's 20 miles away from Cana. So he, that, that's like a long walk to go 20 miles from Cana to, to Capernaum. I mean, it took two days for someone to walk that distance or maybe a little less. That's the equivalent of driving from here to New York City. So he was motivated. I mean, some of you take a little longer to drive to New York City, but I'm just saying, I'm a pretty fast driver. Um, but, but he's motivated. It's a long trip. He's got to go a long way to get there. And so he travels from Capernaum to Cana. And when he had heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, about 20 miles, he went and he begged him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Now, I tried to drive some equivalent to my own son, but I just decided I just can't even go there. There's some places you just can't go because it just is too heavy to think about that place as a parent. Where your son is in that space. And this is what happens. It says Jesus says to him, after he begs him, Jesus says, Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Jesus speaks truth. That's what he does. And he says to this man, in the moment of his grief, in his desperation, He says, Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. And the official said to him, sir, do you see the respect? Sir, come down before my little boy dies. And then Jesus said to him, go, your son will live. And the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and started on his way. He had as much faith as to just go and believe that his son is healed. And as he was going down, his slaves met him and told him that his child was alive. So he asked them the hour when he began to recover. And they said to him, yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. And the father realized that this was the hour when Jesus had said to him, your son will live. So he himself believed along with his whole household. Now now this was the second sign that Jesus did after coming from Judea to Galilee. Talk about a confusing story. I can, I, I don't know if you feel it or you feel, have a hard time kind of reconciling what's happening in this story. And, um, and I, as I say, I'd love it when I started this series. I thought in an invitation series, is going to be so simple, so clean. So, you know, you just hear about what's happening and you go and you just do these things that Jesus did and it's all neat and it's packaged and it's perfect. But then um, the other day, I got completely schooled by someone from this church. I'm telling you, totally schooled. I was at the gym, and when I was at the gym, I ran into this this woman that goes to Highlands Church, and she looked like she had broken a sweat, and I said, good job, good workout. Um, I, I bet you're on your way out of here. And, uh, and, cause I do what my brother phrased yesterday as fake workouts, you know, um, you know, it's kind of like, it's more about like the Zen of working out. It's a little, a little less. so, <clears throat> so anyway, I did the fake workout and, and I wasn't sweating. Uh, that's why I was surprised anyone was sweating at the gym. I mean, you hardly ever see that. And so <clears throat> it's true. And so, so she said, no, actually I'm going to a workout class now. That was just my pre-workout. Oh, okay. And, and she said, and you're coming with me. And I said, no, 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 no. You don't understand. You get where this is going. So I said, no, no, no. I, this, you don't. You don't know me very well. No. I said. I said it's. It's early in the morning, and I have a meeting with Ben, the worship leader, and, and he would. He would never be okay with me being late to a meeting or anything. So. So I, I, he wouldn't understand. I mean, and I said, plus I have this very regimented workout where I get on the elliptical at the gym, and it's kind of. It's really, really strenuous. You basically like slide your feet back and forth for 20 minutes, and at the end of it, you're like, hey, I did a really exhausting workout. And she said, "Uh, hold on a second. Haven't you just been preaching a whole sermon series on invitations? (laughs) Check and checkmate. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. So I said, you got me there. So she said, you're coming down. So I said, okay, I'm going down to the workout. And I kept my phone handy because I thought, you know, Uh, I might have to tell Ben that I can't, you know, make it to the meeting. Um, And she said, it's just easy. It's 30 minutes of cardio and 30 minutes of core or something like that. So I got in the room, and there's like 40 women in there, and they're just so nice looking. And there's this one 70-year-old guy, and um, and uh, I was like, this is going to be easy. Anyway, so, uh, so the workout started, and it was kind of nice. It was a little dancing, you know I mean? Like literally, the workout was like this, and then she said, you're going to do this, and then that, and I was like 10 minutes in, and I thought gosh, I think I, I think I need to get ready for my meeting. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I snuck out and I went straight to the showers and then I, I got ready and then I showed up and Ben's like, you're on time for our meeting? What's going on? <laughs> anyway, whatever. So, <laughs> It's never as easy as you think it's going to be, you know? <laughs> it's never that easy. And uh, you think that your, uh, your invitation series or the thing that you're stepping into is going to be an easy thing, but then you realize uh, life is complicated and... Um, And you know what? As I was looking at this message today, I realized one of the most beautiful messages in here is that Jesus has limitations too. I mean, I don't think he would have made it through the workout class either. That's all I'm saying, you know? He did a lot of walking, but... um, But Jesus has limitations too. And that's that's something to sink in, that Jesus is limited, was limited. And also... The other message from the scripture is that Jesus is unlimited. It's such a beautiful contrast in this scripture for people to understand. You see, uh, Jesus, he is being asked, he's going back to this place that he's been ministering to and ministering in for so long, and he cares so much about the people of his hometown. And finally, he feels like he's breaking ground. These people are coming around him, and they're responding to the message that he's preaching, and they want to know more about him, and they want to hear more about what he has to say. And then out of the blue, this guy comes in from Capernaum, from 20 miles away, and he says, Jesus, and by the way, this was a royal official, this was like, this was a guy who worked for the King Herod. And so he actually had the best house in town. And he probably had an in-house masseuse and probably a hot bath, which I'm guessing was probably a pretty cool thing in like Middle Eastern Galilee like 2,000 years ago. And Jesus knew all this stuff, and he also knew that this guy would feel a little bit entitled, you know, like who's ever going to turn down the invitation of the king, you know? (laughs) But then this guy comes, and there's this humbling moment for sure, and there's this opportunity for Jesus to step away from all of this ministry that he's doing and to go and minister to this one guy. Now, there are other times in his ministry where he does that, true, but this opportunity is drawing him away from the place that he feels called to do ministry, and, and Jesus can't be in two places at the same time. Now, I don't know if you guys have ever had that time in your life where you either went to college or in high school, or you, you were, had this moment where suddenly you were invited to be a part of a bunch of clubs or a bunch of sports activities, or you were invited to be part of five different teams, or you found out that you could, you could, you were invited to a party every single day of the week. And you thought, I can accept every invitation that's extended to me. And how many people ever had a time in their life like this? Anybody? Anybody ever have a time where they accepted way too many invitations? No, only like four people. So the rest of you can listen in. I'll tell you what it's like. (laughs) I get it. You're all perfect. Um, Anyway, so crash and burn. That's what happens. You burn out really quick. And you realize that you can't do everything. And do you know there's actually a psychological term for this? For a person who feels like, like they can do everything, they can heal everybody, they can help everybody. The psychological term for that is a messianic complex. Messianic, that refers to Jesus. It's basically saying that you have a Jesus complex. That you feel like that you can go and you can help everybody. That every time every, every person's in need or they're hurting, that you're the person to do it. No one else can do it. That you're the one to save the day. And it's actually really unhealthy. And the funny thing is, Jesus doesn't even have a Jesus complex. Jesus doesn't even believe that he has to be in every single place at once because he can't. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, transformation takes place. By the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus is unlimited in his power to heal. And that is the beautiful message. That Jesus, at one time, is limited, but at the other time, he is completely unlimited in what he's able to do. Now, one of the things that happens when you go to seminary, if you ever go to seminary to become a pastor, you'll have uh, seminary professors tell you, um, you're going to have a tendency to want to do everything, to be all things to all people. Basically, imagine every time someone is sick, you're going to want to be at their bedside in the hospital. You're going to want to be at every single wedding and every single funeral. And as your church grows, you're going to discover that's completely impossible. And do you know what they're trying to dispel? They're trying to dispel this illusion of what a pastor should be. Because nobody can be that. Because the the, the assumption is that the pastor should, you know, look like Jesus. Because we also have this fake assumption of what Jesus was. That he was able to be in every place at the same time. But once we start to understand that Jesus had limitations, then we start to understand also, like this church preaches and believes that every person is a pastor. And when people hear, oh, every person is a pastor, no, don't elevate me to that level. Trust me, it's not an elevation. (laughs) It isn't. Because when Jesus calls us into ministry, he actually calls us to kneel. He calls us to serve others and to recognize our lowliness and our brokenness. See, when we gather around this table, the communion table, Jesus commanded us to do that, by the way. He said, this is something that I, you should do all the time. You should meet around this table. You, and when we do meet around this table, we should look across the table and we should see brothers and sisters. Just the same as when this morning I sat at the table at Starbucks with my brother. We should see family members. We should see other children of God. People who, people who have similar broken stories and people who have limitations. And Jesus, um, Jesus welcomes us to this table because I think he wants us to see that, that, that the limitations and, and the factual reality of who he is and who he was. See, Jesus was just as real as this piece of bread. Jesus' Jesus's love for us was just as tangible as this bread in, of this cup. And yet, by the power of the Holy Spirit, there's something that happens. By the power of the Holy Spirit, suddenly, this church is able to accomplish far more than we could do together. See, when in two weeks people become baptized in this church, they're not just becoming baptized. I'm sorry, you may think that's what's, tr- what's happening, but you're actually becoming a member of the body of Christ. You're becoming a part of this church. You're becoming a part of the work of this church, and you're saying, you know what? I can't do it alone. Yet, the thing is, this, the the concept of membership comes from the Bible. Paul says that every every single person makes up a different part of the body of Christ, and, and that a finger. One person might be a finger. Another person might be a toe. And, and, and yet you can't accomplish very much alone. Yet when you work together, when you allow God to form you as a community, to minister to the world, there is an un, And do you know who forms the church? The Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit forms the church. Brings it together. And so what will be happening is a bunch of people who are saying, you know what, I can't do life alone. I am ready to be a part of this. I want to be a part of transforming this world into into the image of Jesus. And so the beautiful thing is that the church, the church as a whole, not just here, you're joining the church worldwide. Jesus said, the church is my body and I am the head. We are the body of Jesus as the people of God. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. Will you pray with me while we bless this meal? Lord Jesus, thank you for calling us to this table. Thank you for drawing us to one another. And we pray that you would bless this bread and you would bless this cup. And that as we receive it, Lord, we would receive the truth of your love for us. We would receive the the goodness that you have prepared for us. That we would receive this song of deliverance that surrounds us. And Lord, we thank you for the miracle that you have given us, um, the miracle of, of, of you healing through the power of the Holy Spirit, our hearts, our minds, our community that otherwise was fractured. And so God, we pray the prayer that you taught your disciples saying, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done